Hello and welcome to What Else Do You Do? I'm your host, Masao. I'm an indie producer in Montreal working for Studio Cut to Bits. And today, our guest is Mae Morrison. Please introduce yourself. There's never a not awkward way to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm May. My pronouns are she and her. I currently work at Behavior Interactive as an influencer manager, specifically on the Dead by Daylight franchise. I have dogs. I talk about them a lot. And my dogs are probably the most interesting thing about me. So I'll just stop there. <laughs> okay. So um, as far as I can tell, this podcast is turning into like some kind of like women of behavior standcast. <laughs> <laughs> because like I'm interviewing, I interviewed a lot of people from over there. I did Tara. Well, we're pretty cool. So and <laughs> Marie Claude and Stephanie. I, I think that might be it. Yeah, they're a good group. Tara, Tara is actually my immediate superior. I love she's, that woman. She's, yeah. she's really great. She's fantastic. I was actually, I was just thinking, my friend, uh, my friend Ode is over there, and uh, she's she's a boxer. So I'm like, why why haven't I talked to her? I'm like. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe that goes on your to-do list after so, you're done yeah. talking to me. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but uh, out of a behavior, um, <laughs> this uh, podcast is called What Else Do You Do? So what else do you do? I'm an artist. And I, I say that without any ounce of pretension. I, I've just been one of those people that I've always created things with my hands and have found outlets for that. Like I, I've worked in creative industries before. I paint. I cosplay I sew I knit I I just what else I do is just I create things like I make stuff <laughs> let's start maybe chronologically well we just spoke briefly before the before the interview and you said you used to be a tattoo artist yes see when you said you were going back I was like are we going to like crayons on the wall um, going I mean, back we, like we could we could <laughs> I, no. I don't know that far back. I just thought I, I just you just told me that uh, your previous career was uh, yeah. Tattooing. So I was a tattoo artist for for ten years, and then I sort of transitioned into uh, video game development. I'm not exactly sure how that happened. It was interesting, but I think we're going to get to that when we start digging. But yeah, I went to school for illustration and design, and originally I was planning on being an art therapist. I think mental health is super important and almost all our mental health resources are verbal. So to me, being an art therapist was really interesting and exciting because there are a lot of people who are nonverbal and need other forms of therapy other than traditional talk therapy. But at some point when I was doing all my psychology classes, I got into like, a pretty alternative scene. I started getting tattooed and then I started working on this big back piece. Like uh, someone was working on my back to give me a large tattoo. And I started talking to him about my art and then he saw my art and then I basically got offered an apprenticeship and it was that for like 10 years. So much for art therapy. Yeah. <laughs> well, art is my therapy though. Like okay. ironically, like it, it, it came for full circle because now I went through it being my job. And now it's it's just part of who I am. Like it's part of breathing. It's what I do to keep myself myself, you know? Mm -hmm. So, okay. You, so you mentioned so that there's tattoos, there's sewing, there's cosplay. Mm -hmm. What else? What else we got out there? Paint. Like I paint, paint? a lot. Okay. Um, I, I do oil, watercolor. watercolor? 
watercolor and i recently took up digital painting um of anyone listening who is an artist uh, probably knows the great COVID shortage of art supplies. Like I became <laughs> unable to like buy more paper because I'm very picky about my art tools. Like I'm like, there's a specific watercolor paper that I want. Yeah. And everything was super expensive. Shipping wasn't happening. And I was yeah. like, I have an iPad. I'm going to teach myself digital painting. So my quarantine adventure was teaching myself how to paint digitally because it didn't require supplies. And I actually love it. So I'm doing a lot of that now. My studio is uh, half video game development and then half co-working space for comic book artists. Oh, fun. And a lot of them do, I mean, most uh, like everywhere, everyone else, like they're doing digital stuff, but they also do, you know, more traditional mediums and more and more they they're just like man like digital is just so much more fun (laughs) it it streamlines a lot of stuff like every once in a while i get the itch and i i miss the tactileness of physical painting and i'll go back to it like it's a very different experience but i get to be so like unbelievably calculated in digital that it's a lot of fun and there's shortcuts, you know, there's kind of like, I just will duplicate this texture instead of me spending six hours painting this texture. For sure. So the production I mean, rate. so much faster. Yeah. Just watching them produce like, like physical, because they still do physical paintings, especially for like things like covers and commissions. I was going to say covers, I feel are, are still mostly yeah. traditional, but. But like they can do like a similar cover digitally for like i don't know like a third of the time it takes them if not I mean, less the same is true of tattoo design as well um in the last like three four years of my career that's why i had the ipad i transitioned to do all my sketches digitally because it just so back in the day you would take tracing paper and like literally wrap it on a person's body and like make notes with a Sharpie and then draw on that piece of tracing paper and then hand copy it onto a stencil and then put it on someone's body. Now, what I would with my iPad, I would like take a photo of the person with my iPad, draw directly on their body to show them all the different ideas, do everything on different layers. So if they wanted changes, it wasn't this whole ordeal. And then I wirelessly send it to a thermal fax printer and I print out the stencil like it has changed so much and like the level of artistry and the level of control you have with digital is is bananas it's it's wonderful yeah well that makes a lot of sense I never even thought of it but like why wouldn't you do that yeah like it used to be if someone showed up to their appointment and they didn't like the drawing you did and you had spent six hours hand tracing out that stencil like that, that time was gone. You have to redraw it and then remake the stencil by hand. Like, so when people are like, oh, tattoos are so expensive. And I'm like, I cannot tell you the amount of time that goes. It's not just while the needles in your skin, like the sheer volume of time you spend prepping for it. Yeah. Unless you're like looking through a catalog and saying, I want this one. Like, yeah. I mean, flash, flash is definitely different, but yeah, the Custom work is... Yeah, is, that's... How long does it take to do a custom work? Well, it depends on the nature of the design, right? Like, yeah, I can easily... I, yeah, I guess I'm, it's like saying how long is a piece of string. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, like let's I, say a sleeve that's fairly complicated. A sleeve that's fairly complicated, 
would take me like a week to draw easily if I was having trouble with the anatomy. Cause like depending on people's proportions. So here's the thing that a lot of people don't talk about tattoos is if you have someone that has very distinctive proportions, you have to compensate for that design wise. Like if you put someone's face, like you have that two dimensional image and it's a portrait, but you put it on like a super ripped bicep like the person's face is going to look deformed. So you have to learn also how to plan things out with the anatomy. And uh, that can be a while, like especially if your client has very specific ideas as to what they want in the tattoo. You're just kind of like sitting there like, oh, how do I make this all work? (laughs) And then the lightning hits and then it comes to you. And then like once I have the idea, like once I know how I'm going to do it, the rest comes out pretty easily. But I think that's just also like a lifetime of experience in terms of like doing art and artistic things, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. So how did you end up in video games? Like hanging out with us, us nerds. (laughs) Well, I, I'm a second generation nerd. I come by it. Honestly, my father had this like collection of books, like 800 sci-fi novels. And I would just grab them and read them. And I remember every once in a while, he'd like give me a crooked eye and just be like, is that age? Ah, never mind. Like he would just kind of, <laughs> he would let it slide. And if I asked him weird questions, he'd be like, "Uh, what book were you reading recently?" There was some, there was some dark times when I went through his horror collection. But uh, <laughs> I love horror. I'm in a horror franchise right now, so it it obviously left its mark. But um, yeah. So my father and all of his brothers are engineers. Okay. So I grew up in a very technical engineering household, and. I was rebellious when I pursued the art. So it's funny. Like, it's like I came full circle again. And like my uncles that work at IBM are just like, oh, you finally got a real job. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. Um, But yeah, I I always loved science fiction and fantasy. And then that love turned into um, tabletop gaming. And then through tabletop gaming, I discovered computer RPGs. So I started getting into it around like the Baldur's Gate phase. And I'm like, these games are amazing. And I got really into video games and I started cosplaying and I started going to conventions and I just sort of immersed myself in nerd culture. And I was like, I feel like I could do this. Like, I feel like, I don't know, something about it called to me. So I just kept like pursuing it, like chasing down that avenue and then I and then I got there. Like I don't know why. I was just like I was so invested in the community and fandom and cosplay. And I was like, you know what? I bet I could manage a community, you know. And I started streaming and mucking about. And then I was expected to be like laughed out the door when I applied for a community position, having zero experience. But I showed them my online portfolio of like the streams I do and my YouTube channel and the communities I've built. And they were like, yeah, sure. Well, well you, you do have experience. That's not, yeah. <laughs> those, those are all community management experience. <laughs> well, I know that now, but at the time oh, I was okay. like, <laughs> I was like, that. and it's funny because like, you know, what you're saying to me is exactly what I say to a lot of acquaintances that have their own communities and their own like streaming experience and stuff. And they're like, Oh, I'm thinking about like going to stream for a company, but they all want three years experience. And it's like, girl, you've been doing this for five years, like seven years. So <laughs> like you have experience. Yeah. Just- like you don't, you don't have to. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, especially in the com- community and like streaming space, like, 
you know, majority of people who do that are not doing it for, you know, corporations. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you had to have corporate experience, like nobody would ever get a job. <laughs> it's true. And I, I actually think it's really advantageous sometimes when you have groups of people that come from very different backgrounds. Like I'm at Behavior now, but I originally started off at BioWare. And I would joke with a lot of the my coworkers there where I'm like, none of us started off as game developers practically. Like there was one dude who used to be a bartender. There was another one who was like a molecular biologist. And here I was the tattoo artist, you know, like it was just really fun to be like, we had all these different like experiences leading up to becoming these game developers and then making those stories into video games and fostering those communities and such. For sure. I think it's changing a little bit with the like the newer generation because a lot of them are going to game schools and then kind of straight into the industry but like yeah like i i've been in the industry for 15 years and like 15 years ago most of the people working in video games when they started there was no video game school or like there was like three you know what i mean yeah <laughs> so like a lot of them came from like modding space or like they just made games yeah yeah, they like, just like messed around on their yeah. own. So yeah, like it's um yeah, it is it it is true. Especially uh I feel like maybe like 35 and older. Like when you get get like people working in the games industry that are 35 and older, almost all of them had were doing something else before. Yeah, yeah most of the and there's a very small fraction of those that I know that were actually doing anything that was sort of game adjacent. Like I know like my partner started off writing game reviews and then got into writing in video games and then became a director. He's actually one of the only old guards that I know that kind of followed a very normal career path. Normal, yeah. I say that like it means something. Uh, a fairly straight trajectory. Like I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Whereas me, I'm just like the queen of circuitous routes. Like I'll get there eventually, but who knows what's happening in the meantime. <laughs> Yeah, the job that I had right before working in video games, I worked for like a half corporate, half government job. Okay. For the Japanese government. I had this temp job at this organization called the JNTO, which is the Japan National Tourist Organization. And it's like an organization that like promotes tourism to Japan. Oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like I went every day in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I did not think I was going to end up in video games, though. I don't know that anyone like from like an older generation really planned to. Like, I feel like at least for me, um, I was always a passionate fan, but I had never considered it a career path until like one day I was on Twitter and I saw that Bioware was hiring a community manager in Montreal, and I was like, "Oh, that would be super cool!" And I applied. I could have not seen that tweet. I could have talked myself out of applying. And now I, I'm going to toot my own horn for just a second now. I'm nominated for a GameHers Award, two oh. of them, in fact, this year. So I'm just like, well, something worked in my favor. There was some <laughs> sort of magical die cast and, and a natural 20 popped up, you know? Yeah. So. For sure. I applied to a job from a Craigslist posting. <laughs> Oh, like Ubisoft is looking for a, a Japanese to English translator. I was oh, like, whoa. okay. And then I'm like, that's what I do. I guess I could try to work for Ubisoft. 
Prince of Persia was pretty cool because this is like 2006. Prince of Persia was pretty cool. Yeah, Sands of Time was really, really amazing. That was one of those games that completely changed my impression of games because like it was so painterly and so artistic. Yeah. And I was like, was oh, game. I'm really And the gameplay too. Like, yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Full agree. Well, let's bring this back to video games. Okay. Because this, this is a, even if it's tangentially, it is a video game podcast. Um, <laughs> what do you get out of all of your artistic creation that you don't get from game development? I mean, honestly, game development, especially in a field like influencer management and community and player experience, is very much about not necessarily catering to the fans, but like understanding them advocating for them you know so you talk to the developers on behalf of the fandom you release information from the dev team to the fans and it's very much like it's like a service and it's not like for you like you're you're sort of like a facilitator mm-hmm. like a there's, facilitator there's, no, there's not a lot of you in yeah in there like exactly you're providing a service but you're not the author that's it. Like, and sometimes, you know, with campaigns and stuff, you get ownership and you can like be creative and stuff, but like the day to day is not very creative and, um, having the cosplay to like escape and become a superhero or like, you know, um, paint all evening and just get like a bunch of feelings out. Like there, there's definitely an emotional fulfillment that comes from a creation that I wanted to bring into this world, you know, like it's, it's just very satisfying to be able to sit there and do something and make it because I feel like, I mean, I love game development and there's no shade to that, but there's, there's so many working parts. There's so many working parts, you know, you Mm got to talk to every single department when you're with community. And I love how complicated that is, but being able to sit down and being like, I'm going to make this thing. And then I make the thing. And then I'm like, look what I did. Like, I don't know. There's just something. There's um, no approval meetings. There yeah, no, it's just really no beautiful briefing. and simple. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't did have it. to. <laughs> I didn't have to worry that, like, you know, I don't even know where there was an example and is gone. Like, you know, when you just see the sentence that you had in your head like disappear out the door. <laughs> but yeah, there's just like it, it's just for me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to check with anyone. I can just you know do it. And it's 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 completely self serving and cathartic, and I love it. Yeah, I can I can definitely understand how that would feel. I, I used to work in community for about five years, from 2010 to about 2014. Oh, fun! And uh, yeah, it was it was a weird time. <laughs> it was a weird time because like people didn't really know what community management still was <laughs> i mean i feel I like mean, there's I, still a lot of that now yeah. yeah but no it's true like it, and it's also hard to find experienced leadership in community as well because there is like a fairly high turnover rate well yeah so I, well, I, there was no experience when i started yeah. like i started as a manager because basically I was looking for a managerial position and kind of a weird story. But so I was doing research on Facebook because at the time I thought I was going to be managing a, like a Facebook game because this was the height at like of Farmville and Mafia Wars. <laughs> and then, I was like, a Sims that, girl myself, the Facebook Sims. Yeah. I don't know why I wasted so much time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I digress. Yes. No, it's, Facebook it's okay. games. So, so that's what I was doing for like months. And then like that kind of like dissipated. 
And they're like, well, you're a manager. Like, you seem to know what you're talking about Facebook. So, like, here, like, manage some people who are going to be, like, posting stuff to Facebook. (laughs) Was basically kind of how I ended up there. Like, but this was before, like, Facebook even had, like, pages. So, like, Assassin's Creed was a person. (laughs) (laughs) And there was, like, a cap on how many friends Assassin's Creed could have. Have? And I think it's only, like, a thousand Yeah, like, Like, it's not not a lot. lot. Yeah. And they were like, Twitter, is Twitter really a thing? And like, (laughs) and then we were dealing with marketing people that were like, yeah, you know, we tried it with MySpace. It didn't go anywhere. I'm not really sure if this, this whole social media thing is really real. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think Assassin's Creed was the first Facebook group, uh, first Facebook page for video games. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Because like Ubisoft. Ubisoft, the marketing Ubisoft is in San Francisco and they were down the street from Facebook. And like there was some kind of agreement that came out of that. <laughs> like, at that some at back that, alley social yeah. media deal. Just yeah, like-, like Lady Gaga was like, I think the first page. And then it was like Assassin's Creed was like maybe five, number five or something. Like it was, it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. But yeah, the, that's like, you know, now I feel like. I'm talking about like when dinosaurs were around, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's true though. Like almost every single time there's a platform, like people are always like really hesitant about it, and they don't know if it's going to stick around and stuff. Yeah. But I, I don't think anyone was expecting social media to be what it is now, and well, like I don't even yeah. know what it's going to look like in ten years. You know, like if I if I had said like yeah, though Facebook would be the largest at one of the largest advertisers in the world, you know. And Google is the other one. People would be like, no, <laughs> fuck off. You know, like. It's like but, a demolition yeah. man moment where they're like, all restaurants are Taco Bell. And you're just like, what? <laughs> uh, okay. So let's uh, flip that question over. Mm-hmm. So what do you think your uh, experience in um, producing art has uh has affected you as a as a developer you know in terms of your what do you think it brings to you in terms of your process or creative output well i mean i've always been a really creative thinker especially when it comes to like content and stuff which is a lot of what i do um, but i think that having like tried a little bit of everything in the art field and stuff gives me this confidence to like go a little bigger with plans because I know how to how to make things. Like I'm trying to think of a concrete example. Like back when I was making more like social media posts, I'd be like, oh, we should do this totally wacky thing where like the monster's hands come in and like pick up this thing. And they're like, well, where are we going to make monster hands? Where are we going to find monster hands? I'm like, I'll make them. Like, so knowing that I have these, these resources to just sort of whip things together and also like be involved in so many creative communities every company i've worked for is always like you know tons about cosplay we need some better cosplay like we need some cosplayers we need to figure out how to get a cosplay program you know i've 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 helped people like come up with cosplay guides to provide fandom Mm -hmm. with and stuff like that so like i feel like just having all these things that i do helps me kind of push push the boundaries because I have a bit more confidence in what I can achieve. Mm-hmm. 
Also, like tattooing was super essential in that because you're your own boss. You are your own supplier. You are your own receptionist. You, you're your own social media manager. So um, learning to wear many, many hats has served me extremely well in game development. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Especially in social media, you really do have to be scrappy. So Yeah, yeah, basically you just got to be like, is this a dumb idea? Possibly. Am I going to try? Yes, I am. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you never know what's what's going to stick. It's true. You know, like, you, have, you, you can kind of get educated guesses, but like, yeah, it's, sometimes it's, it's just like, really? This is what's going to blow up? And it's millimeters. Like, it's yeah. millimeters. Like, cringe is, like, two millimeters away from viral, you yeah. know? And you're just like, am I hitting this note? Sometimes both. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing. Sometimes cringe works. It's true. Outrage marketing, you know, yeah. it's a thing because it works, you know? It's unfortunate, but uh, they're no. going to do what they're going to do to get your attention. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, the only thing I have found works consistently especially in influencer management is like you just have to find like really genuine people because i think mm -hmm. above all else people respond to honesty and like the person so yeah but that yeah you don't sense. know you don't know <laughs> <laughs> i have a very laissez-faire attitude um like i care about things but i also can really acknowledge when they're not in my control so i've always compared like influencer management and events and conventions and all that stuff to Plinko, you know, like you sit there and you plan everything out and you analyze the board and you take your like absolute best guess. But like, once you drop that puck, like you don't know where it's going and you just sort of like deal Hope with the, the best, situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of like, okay, I did the best that I could with everything that was at like with all the information I had and with all of my abilities. And now we just sit back and, uh, and we wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. see what happens there's a great japanese proverb called uh that goes um jinju which means uh, do everything that's humanly possible and then pray to the gods because <laughs> <laughs> you know you can't control what you can't control no it's true you really really can't and like nothing teaches you that faster, I think, than than game development, <laughs> especially when so many things are out of your immediate control. You're just like, um, because it is such a colossal team effort, and that's what makes it really beautiful. But it's also what makes it like really challenging sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I think we've been going out for a while, so it's time to wrap up. So the last question is: What is something you want people to know about? I guess making art. Don't buy into the talent myth you know like i see so many people dismissing themselves being like oh god like i just i just wish i had your talent or you know i'm just i'm just not talented like you and it's like no just just do it just do it a lot and practice you know don't don't discredit yourself it doesn't even have to be good if art is something that you want to create if that art is inside of you just let it out and don't don't hamper it in any way. It's something that's really beautiful. You don't need to understand art to appreciate it and you don't need talent to make it. Like it's just 
I just wish it was more accessible. Like I wish that people felt that art was more accessible because it really is the greatest therapy I find. Like just get your hands dirty, be a little messy, but don't believe the talent myth. It's, it's the biggest thing that the industry and like people perpetuate. You don't need talent. You just need to do it. <laughs> the talent comes later with practice. <laughs> yeah. It's true. I mean, I, when I talk to artists, like so much of it is a craft, like, mm-hmm. you know, like there are extremely talented people, don't get me wrong. And a lot of them do work in the games industry, but like, you know, like a lot of it is a craft and it can yeah. be learned. Absolutely. Like I feel, I feel like talent, like if we're all lined up for a race, I feel like talent would determine where you are in the, in the starting position. Like maybe you started with like a big head start or maybe you're way back because you're just very uncoordinated. But like once that whistle goes and everyone's off, like it's just a question of like perseverance, work, honing your craft, doing skills. So I always tell people like, don't, don't let this idea that, you know, there's some sort of magical thing that's bestowed upon you like talent and you have it or you don't, because that's not true. You can make your own talent. Well, I think uh, I think that's it. Well, thank you very much. This was a this was a lovely conversation, and um, yeah, thank well, you for your time. Thanks for having me. No, I'm I'm very proud to be part of your uh, really awesome behavior employee collection. <laughs> <laughs> well, take care and have a good day. Thank you. You too, and everyone listening, have great days. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Dave Wallace for providing the music, and thank you to Therese Lance for providing the logo. Bye.